1: We are back for part two of today's Midweek Rundown. For those of you asking, it was not that kind of break. I sat here the entire time, but uh been a little under the weather the last couple of weeks, and so my, my throat dries out a little bit faster. So I just needed to uh, recover a little bit for that and uh, get ready for the second part of the show. And in the second part of the Midweek Rundown, we're going to do what we've done the last few weeks because I really like that segment and... you really start kind of diving into the matchup a little bit and you start thinking about, you know, who needs to play well this week for Notre Dame? Who are the players that have to step up and and bring their A games this week? And I'm going to start with the Notre Dame offense because this is the side of the ball for Notre Dame that has to step up. The offense was, it's just, it's kind of wild. There's been no in-between with this offense this season you know, they started the season off scoring 40 points in their first four games. First time they've done that in over a hundred years, over 120 years. Uh, they've scored 50, 40 points or more five straight games, something that's never happened in Notre Dame history. Fast forward two weeks later after Ohio state and, and Duke and everybody's worried about, you know, the offense stinks and this coach isn't this, and this guy's not that. and And it's all, a lot of it's understandable. Some of it's a, giant overreaction and, and teams don't have good games all the time. And and no and no one, even a guy like Caleb Williams, plays great all the time. No pass offense, even USC's plays great all the time. And we saw that last year during Caleb Williams Heisman season. As great of a player as he was and he is a great player. You know, when you look at his numbers last year, I mean he had a game against Arizona State or excuse me, Oregon State in a game that they won last season 17 to 14 where he went 16 of 36 and only threw for 180 yards, five yards per attempt. Two weeks later against Washington State, he goes on 51.7% of his complete, of his passes for only 188 yards and two touchdowns, 6.5 yards per attempt. So it happens. The key, however, is you've got to bounce back. You've got to bounce back and you've got to make the plays that you need to make to, to be the team that you're capable of being. And right now, Notre Dame is not a team that's, we never said they were going to, uh, a team that's going to go average 46 points per game, like they were the first four games. They are better than they've shown. And, uh, but they're not as, they're not as, and they're not as bad, or they're better than they've shown last two weeks, not quite as dynamic in the, as the first four weeks. The sweet spot is kind of somewhere in the middle. And honestly, the sweet spot is kind of where they are right now from a number standpoint. And they've got to find that sweet spot and play to that On a more consistent basis right now, Notre Dame is averaging 36 and a half points per game. 36 to 38 is about, you know, the the minimum of where they should be from a scoring standpoint. Now, when you look at the passing game, overall, the passing numbers look pretty good. You know, you're 269 yards per game. You know, Sam Hartman's numbers aren't, aren't elite. He's averaging 243 yards per game. But again, part of that is, is what? He played half a game of football against Tennessee State. He didn't play a lot in uh, in some of those early season games so you, you but 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 I still think you need to start relying on him a little bit more and one of my one of my concerns about this offense early in the year was they you know they they, they didn't throw a ton early and they were very efficient but there were even some even then there were some parts of the field and some areas where they just weren't a- attacking and then you look at the last two weeks and all of a sudden now they need the offense to kind of pick up the pet they need to the pass game to kind of pick it up a little bit. And it just wasn't, it wasn't there. And so this side of the ball is going to have to play well in a lot of different areas. And so when I look at the players that need to step up the most this week, I'm going to begin with Sam Hartman, at quarterback. And this isn't saying that Sam Hartman hasn't played well. It's, it's a statement of when I say step up, it's not, you got to step up because you've been playing poorly. It's, You've got to step up and you've got to step up to the plate in this game. No matter what you've done in the past, in this particular instance, you need to step up in this moment because Notre Dame is going to need Sam Hartman to, you know, you don't have a lot of faith in your receivers. Okay. in some of your receivers, okay. You do what you need to do during the week to get there. You have the conversations you need to have. You put in the work in the, in the, in the practice field to put the work in to, to get there because you, you know, you're going to need them. And then it's up to those players to step up. But, you know, you need Sam Hartman to be a leader this week. You need Sam Hartman to be a a little bit of that kind of that gunslinger he was in the past while also still protecting the football, right? You don't want him to have the performance he had against Louisville last year. But you just need to get back to letting him loose a little bit. I I feel like in the last couple games, they've held him back a little bit with some conservative game planning. They, they, They took some shots early against Duke on the script. And then after that, didn't go back to it. And they should have, to be honest with you. They should have taken some more shots in that game. They're going to have to be more aggressive in this game. So Jared Parker going to have to call a more aggressive game plan, uh, a, a smart game plan as well, and, and find the spots that Louisville is vulnerable. And then it's going to be up to, to Sam Hartman to, to make those plays and get his offense going. If he gets going this week throwing the football, they're not even going to steamroll Louisville. It's easier said than done. But it's just it's what the end result will be. Because if if they can come out early and establish the ability to throw the football on this Louisville team, then it softens them up and they'll run all over this undersized Louisville front. My concern is that they're just going to kind of come out and just try to run it down their throat like they kind of have pretty much every other game. They just kind of come out and run it right up the middle and, and soften teams up. They've been a couple times that they've been a little bit creative early, Central Michigan, but it's usually been against teams that aren't very good. I want to see them come out, be a little bit more aggressive with their game plan, and Sam Hartman's going to have to execute it early at a very high level. That is key. Uh, uh, Lamreck just kind of mentioned it as well. This is part of my breakdown as well, and he just said it, talking about you know on first down, the pass game on first down is going to have to be utilized and be effective. That's a big part of this game because. You know, you want to be able to say, hey, you've got to run the ball. You know, you've got to pass the ball more on early downs, and that's true. But you can't do it in a week where you're only completing 50% of your passes because you can't put yourself in a ton of second-and-ten situations in this game. You know, especially early when – because, look, y'all, Louisville is going to dictate their entire game plan around stopping the running game. It's not a lack of respect for Sam Hartman. It's a lack of respect for Sam Hartman's weapons. And and I've always said this, it's a little easier – to defend a tight end with a game plan geared towards stopping the run than it is receivers. And so coming out in this game, Notre Dame's going to have to find a way to have an efficient pass game but also a downfield pass game, more RPOs, be more willing to use some of the quick stuff to the perimeter, work the middle of the field, do more concepts to get guys on the run, and and the receivers have to play with more urgency. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to Sam Hartman's got to make the reads, he's got to make the throws cuz they're going to need him to be, play at a high level and if he does this game is not going to be close i'm i just i'm just telling you if sam hartman comes out there and they let him loose number 1 and he rewards them with that number 2 this offense is going to have a fun day a really good day on saturday night there's no doubt
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The month of October is going to be jam-packed
1: with huge games for Notre Dame, and ticket hunting for those games can be stressful, which is why you need to check out GameTime. Whether you're looking for last-minute tickets to this week's top 25 matchup between the Irish and Louisville, or next week when Notre Dame takes on USC, Game Time is the go-to place for you. That's where I went and got tickets to the Notre Dame-Clemson game for my mom and dad. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. Number two, the second offensive group that really needs to step up. It's an interior of the Notre Dame offensive line. This has been the most schizophrenic unit that Notre Dame's had this season so far. I, I really believe that. There have been times this season where this unit has been really good. Ohio State being arguably their best game. The problem is is it's been way too inconsistent so far, way too inconsistent. I've said it a million times, as a quarterback and, and, and with your run game, you can't thrive if you're not winning the battle up the middle. Just can't. Duke dominated Notre Dame up the middle last week. Dominated. And Notre Dame is going to have to come out and be better up the middle in this game uh is not real big on the outside or i mean excuse me up the middle we talked about this earlier in the week uh, when you look at their depth chart they have a, a, a somewhat smallish interior defensive line uh they starting defense uh starting defensive lineman or des tell it's kind of their nose tackle he's six one two ninety. 290 uh, his backup is uh tafiq thomas he's 6'4 300 decent size. Uh, there are other starting defensive tackles, Raymond Perrier, Ramon Perrier, excuse me, 6'3", 270, a quick penetrator. His backup is Jeff Clark, foot two ninety. They just don't have a ton of beef. They've got some kids like deeper down the depth chart that have some size. Those guys, those guys don't play a ton. And so this is going to be a, a, an undersized defensive unit. When you look on the edge, it's not a whole lot different on the edge either. Uh, Louisville's Ashton Gillette is 6'3", 270, decent sized kid. But then you look on the other side and step, uh, Stephen Heron, or Heron excuse me, is 6'4", 240. And, and so there's, just, there's not a lot of size there, but they're quick, they're disruptive, they get after it. They really get after it. Now I could see a scenario in this game where they look at how Notre Dame played on Saturday and say, hey, we've got to get some of our bigger boys in the field. So they've got to get Jared Dawson on the field more. They've got to get Jermaine Lowell on the field more. They may decide to do that uh, but that's kind of getting away from who they are. And and I don't know that going away from who you are is always the best strategy uh, for playing against a football team. So maybe they'll do that a little bit on early downs and then get their more athletic guys in the second half. But either way, those guys are second and third teamers on Louisville's team. Just because they're bigger there doesn't mean they're Dwayne Carter and Jamie on Franklin, right? Either way, the interior of the offensive line, especially the guards, have got to play better. Because if you notice, when the guards struggle, Zeke struggles. And that's just kind of how it goes. If the if the guys beside the center are getting their butts kicked, it's a lot harder for the center to play at a high level unless he's just an elite player. So when you look at this scenario um, or this matchup, the interior offensive line has to play better, have to play better. And and it's gonna it's gonna be tough for this offense to really get going if they don't. So a lot on the shoulders of Pat Coogan and Rocco Spindler and Zeke Corral this week. They have to play at a high level. And then the number three matchup for me, or the number three step-up time, guys, for me, it's going to be the same as last week. And and I'm going to just keep having these guys on there until either, A, they're given the opportunity to make more plays, or B, they make more plays when those opportunities come, and it's not the same for each guy. And that's Chris Tyree and Tobias Merriweather. You're you're not at the point yet, in my opinion, and, and I think if No Name does this, it's a mistake, for depth reasons, for talent reasons, for a lot of reasons, to just... Brush Tobias Merriweather aside. It's not the time for that. However, he can't keep playing like he's playing. He can't. He's going to have to start making more plays. He's going to have to start playing with more urgency. He's going to have to start playing with more uh, assertiveness. He's going to have to start making plays and playing smarter. Uh, he has too much talent to be playing the way he's playing. And, and I know how it is for fans. Guy doesn't play well for a few games and you want him to get his scholarship removed and never play another down. I get all that. That's why your fans and That's why the coaches, the coaches, because you can't make emotional reactions like that. However, you also can't just keep trotting a guy out there that's not making plays. You can't do it. And so this is a bit of a make or break time to me for Tobias Merriweather for this season. It's never make or break for your career when you're just a sophomore. But you're getting to the point in time where it's like, okay, Tobias, when are you going to step up? When are you going to be that guy? We need you. And that's the, as I said yesterday, that's the conversation I'm having to I'm not yelling at him. I'm not screaming at him. I don't, I don't think it's a lack of effort. I don't think it's, I don't think he wants to not play well. I don't think he's, uh, you know, a, a bad kid with a bad attitude or any of those things. It's just, he's not playing well. And so he's a young guy and and didn't play a whole lot last year. You got to sit him down and say, Hey, look, man, here's where it's at. We need you. We can't be the team we're capable of being without you playing better. And then you challenge them and say I'm gonna be on you all week. We'll be on you all week, man. I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna have my foot up your you know what all week because I need you to respond to the challenge that I'm giving you and and step up and play better. Because if when to if Tobias can start being the guy that I know he can be, this offense is incredibly hard to stop. And that's that's where the focus needs to be because you all can say, Hey, dismiss him and all that. Who who are you gonna put there? Who are you gonna put there that has that type of skill set? There is nobody else left there. And so they're going to have to get him going. There's only so much they can do. Part of this also then comes down to Tobias because last week against Duke, they they designed stuff early for Tobias. Uh, They called a play for him late. Both times, he didn't make the play. First time, yeah, ball was a little long. Lay out, go go give me some for it. Accelerate out of your break. Go get the ball. I just need you to go get that ball. Uh, The deep ball late in the game. I need him to make that play. He's too good not to make that play. So that's where it comes down to: is yeah, the coach has got to, you know, mentally get him right and put him in a position, make sure he's they're using routes to play to his skill set and all those type of things. But Tobias has got to make those plays, and he's had opportunities this year. I mean, there are times this season where it's like, dude, they're not even looking at Tobias. But then the other times you're like, hey, they threw him the ball and he didn't make the plays. Got to go make the play. This is the game. He's got to step up and go make the plays, and uh, and they're going to need him because this offense just can't be as good as it's capable of being without him playing well. It just can't. It can still be good, but if you look at beating USC's and beating the Clemson's and beating the Texas and the Washington's and the Georges and the Michigan's, and if you get a rematch against Ohio State, you're going to need him. You're flat out going to need him. So um, this is this is a step-up time for him because you can't toss him aside, but there there does come a point in time where it's like, I just can't. We just can't keep doing this. And so it's up to Tobias to say no more of this, and I want to see that from him this week. Uh, because if if the light goes on for Tobias, as I said, this offense becomes scary. Chris Tyree's situation is different. He's caught every pass that they've thrown to him this year. It's just they're not throwing enough balls to him, to be completely honest with you. And and so to me, it's 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 been strange because we talked about in fall camp how man like Sam Hartman and, and Chris Tyree get connected a lot in practice. I mean, it's like they were forcing Chris Tyree to get the football. The problem is when you get into games, Sam Hartman doesn't look for him as much. And part of that is because it's obvious the way that Sam Hartman's going through his progressions, that Chris Tyree is a secondary read. He's part of your secondary read package. They're gonna have to find some things to get him going. He's he's got too much big playability. He's averaging over twenty yards a catch this season. He's had plenty of big plays this year so far. I mean Big third-nine conversion early against Central Michigan. He has the 25-yard the gain to get them out from being backed up against Ohio State. Uh, he had the big play against NC State where he broke free on a scramble play. He had the long touchdown pass against Central Michigan. And the guy's got big playability, and he's been a good third-down guy as well when you've actually gotten him the football. So Notre Dame is going to have to find ways to, to make Chris Tyree a bigger part of the offense. And I don't know that they're going to do it. I really don't. There's no evidence that they're going to do it, but they need to. They need to have him doing more things. They need to utilize his speed. We have seen in the past when Chris Tyree is moving a lot before the snap, and, and they you've shown at least a threat to get him the ball in certain ways, he can do things with the football. And so, well, he doesn't, he's not a make-you-miss guy. I don't need to be a make-you-miss guy. On a reverse, I don't need to make anybody miss. Catch the ball and run as fast as you can to the outside because nobody runs faster than him, in my opinion. So there are things that you have to use him more to do. Because if you can hit him with a jet, if you can hit him with a reverse, if you can do something on a screen to to where you can spring him free for a couple big plays, now all of a sudden, when you start running him back and forth on those plays, even when he's not getting the ball, you've got to worry about him. And when you worry about him, now all of a sudden, I'm not quite as focused on Audric Estime as I need to be. I'm not quite as focused on Jeremiah Love and Jadarian Price and Jabron Payne as I need to be, on Sam Hartman as I need to be, on Mitchell Evans as I need to be. Uh, and, and so it can have a big impact on, on Notre Dame's offense if they can just find ways. And again, I'm not talking about getting him, you know, five catches every game and, and ten catches every game. I've said this: five to six touches per game. It's catches and jets and handoffs and reverses and shovels and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of different ways to do it. You got to get it done. And so they're going to have to find ways for, for uh to get Chris Tyree more involved in this offense. Absolutely do. Cause it and also, especially if you get them on some of the, the shorter stuff, you know, some of the the more speedy stuff, the the crossers, the overs, the drags, and things like that. If you can hit a couple of those, uh, and Chris has to learn to accelerate a little bit more. Yeah. out of some of his cuts, you know, that's still part of his evolution as a receiver. I want to see him accelerate a little bit more on some of that stuff, but if you can find ways to get Chris Tyree the football uh, with vertical creases or perimeter edges, he can be dangerous. He can be real dangerous. And so that's another guy to me that needs to step up for the Notre Dame offense. If they're going to really break out and get going this weekend against Louisville. Let's talk about the Notre Dame defense in this matchup and who really needs to step up for the Notre Dame defense. I'm going to go completely different directions this week. I'm not going to talk about Howard Cross and Riley Mills. I'm not talking about Maris Louafau and JD Bertrand. Those are givens. Those guys have to play well. I've always said this. You can't be great. You guys know, so I talk about the middle a lot because I believe that you can't be dominant on defense. If you can't dominate up the middle, can't be a great offense if You can't be effective up the middle. And I believe that's true. No matter what offense you run, if you're a, a team that wants to throw the ball 50 times. If you're getting your butt kicked right up the middle and they're getting pressure on your quarterback right up the middle, you're gonna not you're gonna struggle. So the middle of the field is important. So of course those guys have to play well. So I'm gonna go a different direction from those guys. And the number one guy to me that has to step up and have a big week is Thomas Harper. Thomas Harper has been a little up and down at times this season, but overall, I've I've liked what I've seen from him for the most part. Uh, when when you look at how he's performed this season. He's given up some plays and some clutch moments, and I know that that's kind of what people focus on. I get it. But overall, I think Thomas Harper's been pretty good, uh, pretty solid this season. And he's been very good at certain things. And some of the certain things he's been very good at are going to be especially important when you are facing this Louisville team. And one of the things that Louisville is going to do a lot uh, in, in, in the pass game, is they're going to do a lot of quick throws now screens bubble screens tunnel screens um, slant routes quick end cuts a lot of things that put a lot of stress on the nickel defender I fully anticipate Notre Dame playing a lot of nickel this week I expect to see uh, Thomas Harper be playing a lot I don't think he's done anything not to play Uh, I think he's been pretty good as a as a perimeter defender and he's been really good at blowing up these things and so if your concern is about Thomas Harper playing covering down the field okay we can have a conversation about that I I think he's actually been pretty decent he gave up a couple big plays against Ohio State but a lot of people get beat by Emeka Agbuka and Julian Fleming but outside of that it's been pretty darn good uh in, in other instances so this week for Thomas Harper this is a this is a Thomas Harper game, in my opinion, with all the quick stuff that they do, the perimeter runs they can do, because this is the stuff where he thrives, coming up, blowing up screens, blowing up the lead blockers on on you know, perimeter throws and perimeter runs. You're gonna need him to play at a high level there. And then he's got to be better at playing the inside breaking routes in the pass game. If he can improve in that area, and part of it is the coaching staff needs to help him improve by by just his sheer alignment can help him be more effective in those regards by just not giving away the inside, just by how he lines up. Uh, That's going to make him more effective. But, but when I'm looking at it here, it's not just coverage, but he's got a chance to be incredibly disruptive on the edge as a perimeter run defender uh, and a perimeter screen defender against a team that likes to run a lot of perimeter screens and runs. The other part is I believe this is a game where I would absolutely, absolutely be, a, be be willing to use him on a couple fires off the edge especially when Louisville likes to go you know they're four wide you can kind of get a read on what their protection is going to be and I think a well-timed and well-designed cor- uh, uh, rover fire nickel fire could get to Jack Plummer a couple times in this game I really do and so I'd like to see that as well so I think Thomas Harper a kid that could have a, have a chance to have a big impact in this game Uh, If he steps up and plays well, and um, I I don't know, I just kind of have a feeling like he's going to make some big plays in this game. I I do. And I could be completely wrong, but I've just kind of all week I'm thinking about this game and, you know, thinking about the matchup and I've just kind of had this, this vibe of just all week of kind of like, man, I just, I really feel like um, this is a week where he's going to make some things happen. We'll see if he does, but I just kind of have got that vibe. Uh, from from uh, looking at this matchup number two right next man in type of mentality right Jordan Patel is going to be out the first half of this game the he's been a pretty good run defender so far this season not much in the pass rush that he's going to be placed replaced by two guys and and one of which I'm going to really focus on here and that's Josh Burnham this is a big opportunity for Josh Burnham you should be playing more flat out I mean to me I, I, it's maddening. It's frustrating. It's um, it there's just no reason that Josh Burnham has not played more this season. We're six games into the season, and Josh Burnham has only played 71 snaps. That's to me a problem. He played 30 in the first two games, and in the first two games, he had five. He had um, see four hurries in the first four games on only nine pass rushes. That's it. He had five run stops on only 20 run snaps. That's an incredible rate. And then he didn't play a whole lot the next three games. And then he plays a little, he only played four snaps against Ohio state, had a stop in that game, had a tackle in that game. And then against Duke, he only played 16 snaps because Jordan Patel got, got kicked out. And and so he's got a chance now. It's like, Hey, no excuse not to play him now. Uh, and, And so you get him in the game and this is a chance for him to step up and say, man, you know, you're a starter in this game. So you need to play like one. There's no, Hey, you're just a sophomore, this is a kid that I have said in the past is pound for pound, the most explosive athlete they have on defense. And that's, and that's my opinion. I believe that to be true. He's going to get his chance to come off the, off the edge in this game and he needs to step up and play well. He needs to be disciplined and not, you know, it's one thing to come off the edge. It's nothing to come off the edge of purpose and coming off the edge of purpose and with a plan uh is is how you get sacks but also how you make sure that when you're not getting sacked the quarterback's not stepping up inside of you or rolling outside of you and making plays and that's got, that hurt in their game a little bit last week so this is a huge opportunity for josh burnham to step up and you know the goal the goal is like like Vincent made a will uh wally pipp comment and for those who don't know that's the guy who uh the story goes basically to make it short he took a day off and uh and let a young guy play that day because he needed a day of rest and that young guy happened to be Lou Gehrig and of course he never got a spot back so there's you know you got Wally Pipped is an expression well that's not what I want to happen in this game I don't want it to be where oh Jordan Patel kick you to the curb because Josh Burnham played great my hope is that Josh steps up and plays great for two reasons one because you're going to need him against this Louisville offense they're they're going to run at Josh they're going to you know they're 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 going to think they can drop back and throw the football and, and not get as much pressure because he's in the game. I At least that's what you teams usually do when there's a young guy on the field like that. Josh needs to play well to help them win. Number two, if Josh plays at a high level in this game, that means production plus discipline, then there's no excuse not to play him more moving forward. And I've said before, one of the reasons that I that I believe Jordan Patello hasn't quite been as effective uh, rushing a quarterback is because I believe he's playing too much. And this is going to give you a chance to get him in the game uh, a little less, which helps keep him fresher in the later parts of the season and later parts of the game. So I want Jordan Pettino to come back and be strong when he gets, when he gets back in the second half, I want him to come back and, and be that guy at Viper that we all hope he can be. That's good against the run. That can be a dynamic pass rusher, but not maybe at 15, 20 snaps less a game to help keep him fresh. But, This is the game where Josh Burnham needs to step up and do that. And Al Gold needs to get out of his own way and and not overthink this like he did the middle linebacker situation against Central Michigan where they put Jack Kaiser there instead of Drake Bowen and Jaden Allsbury. Huge missed opportunity uh, for that game. They can't make that same mistake this week with Josh Burnham. But Josh Burnham, when that moment comes, has got to step up and he's got to play well. And I don't care what the circumstances is that got you here. The fact is you're here. It's time to go step up and make plays. So they're going to need him to make plays. And then my third guy is DJ Brown. Here's why I think DJ Brown is a big player this week. It's twofold. One is a negative, One is a positive. Here's the negative. I always get concerned about teams that attack their safeties with speed and I get concerned about teams that get their, their skill players in space against the Notre Dame safeties and especially against DJ Brown. Smart kid, great attitude, great effort, just not a dynamic athlete. And so when he's forced to cover deep, it can be a problem. And when he's put in space as a tackler throughout his career, it's been a problem. He's going to have to make sure he's getting to where he's supposed to be quickly with sound technique and and get there when the ball gets there, because if you're getting there when the ball gets there, then they can't run on you. He's gonna have to tackle well. He's gonna have to be good in space. He can't have the missed tackles that he's had in the past. They need DJ to be better there. Here's the counter argument. You know, Coach Freeman said something in the game, in the the game, the press conference on Monday that I don't quite agree with. And the comment had something to do with you know, Jack Plummer's not really a guy that you can confuse. And I understand what he's saying. Jack Plummer's been around for a while. Uh, Jack Plummer's a veteran guy. He was a starting quarterback for Jeff Brom at Purdue. He was a starting quarterback last year uh, against, um, uh, against Notre name, He was a starting quarterback for Cal. He's got a lot of, lot of experience, a lot of, lot of snaps under his belt uh, as a quarterback in the, co- at the, net, in the college football uh, level. If you look at his numbers this season, he's obviously passing for a lot of yards this year. He's averaging 281 yards per game so far this season. He averaged 257.9 last year. Threw for over 3,000 yards a cow. Uh, You know he start he he threw for 938 yards uh, or 864 yards in 2021, 938 in three games in, in 2020, and he threw for 1,600 yards in 2019. So Jack Plummer's played a lot of football in his career, and and so I understand where Coach Freeman is coming from as far as the experience but I actually think you can can confuse Jack Plummer and we've seen it we've seen good teams do it Georgia well let's say good teams do it NC State did it and and Georgia Tech also did it and and Georgia Tech gave up some yards to Jack Plummer there's there's no doubt about that he 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 passed for three touchdowns 247 yards but it was one of his least effective games of the year he completed 57 58.1% of his passes uh through for 247 yards that he had some some deep shots down the field, but overall he he wasn't great in that game. Uh, they ran the ball well in that game, and he he was he threw a pick up the seam where they kind of robbed a safety down, undercut a seam route, and he didn't see it and he picked it off. Uh, Indiana he threw a 85 yard touchdown pass against Indiana early. Only threw for 238 yards right in that game, uh, one touchdown. So went 13 of 23. So we've actually seen some. Some defenses give him problems, and Notre Dame is going to have to be able to, to do that. Last week against NC State, he threw for a bunch of yards, 20, 286 yards, but he threw two picks. I think he is a guy that you can confuse, and, no, and DJ Brown has been very good at reading you know, how they use him, number one, but he's been very good at reading quarterbacks, and so we don't see it a lot on film or on TV because it's just often not on the screen but him taking away certain routes by playing, getting underneath routes or getting over top of routes properly. And he's going to have to be really good in those areas. And then also I think he's a guy that you can use to where he can read the quarterback effectively and get underneath balls and, and knock some balls down and pick them off. And you saw him, this is exactly what he did against Ohio state late in the game. He just didn't make the play, but up until the point of where he dropped the ball, that was a great play by DJ Brown. He's just got to finish it. He's got to finish it. And, and that's where I think you can use him effectively in this game uh, against Plummer because I think DJ is a guy that you can maybe steal a, a turnover with uh, because of how smart he is. He's good at disguising things. He's good at timing things up because he is a very smart football player. But you're also going to need him to to make sure he's not getting beat because of the lack of athleticism. So this is a big game for DJ. Uh, I think he's a guy that has a chance to really impact this game one way or the other. Notre Dame needs him to impact it positively. They need his his mind to be a big factor in this game and not his athleticism or lack thereof compared to other top-level safeties. And so DJ Brown is another player that I think could have a huge impact in this game. So offensively, it's Sam Hartman, interior offensive line. And then at receiver Chris Tyree and Tobias Merriweather are all step-up players for the Notre Dame offense. And then defensively, it's Thomas Harper, it's Josh Burnham, and it's D.J. Brown. That's my breakdown for guys that need to step up for the Notre Dame defense in this game. If those guys all play well, then Notre Dame will have a shot to win this game and win it convincingly. I, there's no doubt in my mind that Notre Dame is a better team than Louisville and a much better team than Louisville. But they also should have beat Duke by more than a touchdown. They should not have needed a fourth quarter comeback against Duke to win that game. I'm happy they did. They learned something, and now it's about building on it and making sure that it doesn't happen again and going on the road and, and really taking uh, Louisville soul early. And all those guys have a chance to do that and make the kind of big plays needed to do that. And uh, I'm excited to see what they can do. So third part of my breakdown today is going to be about quarterbacks. We had a very interesting conversation the other day. About on the board, and it started on the show and then continued on to the board. And it's about what should Notre Dame do at quarterback in 2024. My first answer is why are we worried about what Notre Dame is going to do at quarterback in 2024? Right now, I'm worried about what Notre Dame is going to do at quarterback at Louisville. However, I know it's something that people like to talk about, and it is an interesting topic. And so I'm going to embrace that topic and I'm going to talk about that here today as we in the show.